Welcome to the Eskenazi Health Here For You podcast, where we go beyond the doctor's office and take a closer look at the programs that Eskenazi Health has to offer our patients and the communities we serve. My name is Brian Van Bocklin with the Public Affairs Team. On today's episode, uh, I, I love it. We have someone who's way smarter than me in here today, and I and I really appreciate that because we're going to learn something. Uh, senior Certified Lymphedema Therapist. Vanessa Flora, she's a physical therapist, doctor of physical therapy. She's got she's got the alphabet after her. So I'm just going to turn it over to you. Welcome, uh, Vanessa. Before we dive in, but please a little bit about your background, how long you've been with Eskenazi, and all of that. Hi. Um, so I'm Vanessa Flora. Yes, I'm a physical therapist. Um, I am a certified lymphedema therapist, and then I took that certification a step further and sat for a board exam um, with the Lymphology Association of North America. Um, and then also, I am a certified wound specialist because I'm housed on the in the wound center here at Eskenazi. So we're here talking about uh, lymphedema awareness. I, I did a little research coming in, but not enough to be able to say I know what I'm talking about. So. Tell us what lymphedema is, and then I'll do some follow-ups from that. So lymphedema is actually a rare condition. In the past, we have seen it a lot of times after cancer surgery interventions, but we are seeing it a lot more now kind of across the board here in the world. What it is specifically, it's a swelling condition. And it's a little different than, say, when you sprain your ankle and you have a swollen ankle or you have surgery and you feel a little puffier. This is a um, chronic condition where you get a buildup of large proteins in between the cells, right? So I always like to say it's not water swelling. It's more like syrup. So it's all of the gunk that's in your system. And I also like to kind of think of the lymphatic system kind of like your sewer system a little bit to where when your cells are using certain nutrients and things like that from your blood, those proteins and those wastes and bacteria and viruses and cancer, like they can't fit back up into your veins. And so you need this secondary system like your sewer called the lymphatic system to kind of suck that up. And then it travels along different parts of the body and then they go and they get filtered through ultrafiltration in the lymph nodes and then eventually kind of they kind of move along they keep getting filtered and filtered and then eventually um, it gets processed and either returned to the circulatory system or eliminated through your urinary system so this is essentially in it as like um uh what what you said because when when i was looking at it, it's like your lymph nodes function like a drain and so they get clogged up and we come in with a plunger, essentially. Yeah, they kind of clean out, mm-hmm. you know, they, they're kind of like a, almost like a processing station. Mm-hmm. So they filter, 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 and they fight and they break down anything that shouldn't be there. So for example, when you're sick, you know, the doctor will go and they'll fill your neck and they'll fill for those lymph nodes. And sometimes they'll be swollen. Right. Um, With people with cancer, they'll remove those lymph nodes to where the cancer has um, traveled to or has the potential to travel to because they need to see how far along that cancer is staged. So, yeah, so they are this really um, intricate part of kind of detoxing and cleansing the system. Um, And we have a lot of them. It's just when you. But when, when we start to miss a couple of them, either through having them removed or having them damaged through radiation, that's when the body can't 
process the fluid like it does. There is a case where um, some people are born with lymphedema. So I have um, this cohort of patients, they're some of my favorite patients, um, where either the lymph vessels, the actual like the sewer pipeline mm-hmm. or the lymph nodes are, um, there, there's not enough or they were, they're um, deformed in some way. And so um, people can either come out of the womb swollen or maybe it sets on in their teenage years or even into adulthood as well. So when you say like uh, when you, someone, obviously the people who are born with it, but if through a cancer uh, diagnosis, they've been removed or they've been damaged from radiation, is it a sense that that creates the backup or if they're gone, they then over stuff starts backing up in other places yes, and exactly. it, it mm-hmm. cascades backwards. Exactly. Yeah. So if they don't have that place to be, um, process, then it will back up. And because that fluid is different, it's not kind of this water fluid, Mm -hmm. it's these proteins. What will happen then is then the proteins will create um, a a hardness or like a scar tissue. We call it fibrosis in the skin. So the skin will start to become hard. Um, The limb will start to the limb or the area. We can also get it in the head and neck. You can really get it anywhere. Um, We'll start to grow in size, and then it will affect your mobility, eating, drinking, depending on where it is. Um, And also, especially like in the legs, we'll see that it will start to actually change the composition of your skin. And so then the skin will start to look like elephant skin. So the old term for lymphedema, which some people will still use, you'll still hear it um, thrown out there, is elephantitis. Okay. Because you talked about like changes in the skin and some swelling and all. Are those those the most common uh, ways to diagnosis or what? How does someone look down and be like, well, I I sprained my ankle versus I've got something really bad going on? Right. So um, edema, so kind of that sprain Mm -hmm. your ankle, when that initial injury is over like six to eight weeks, right? It's that that swelling should go away because your intact lymphatic system can take that extra fluid and process it out, Mm -hmm. right? Um, How we diagnose lymphedema today, um, it's a little tricky. So most commonly, you would go to a physician or a physician would see you at a normal appointment and you would note that there is some swelling in a particular area. Let's say, let's call it a leg, mm-hmm. um, correct? Um, and a lot of times it's diagnosed through a collection of symptoms. So looking at those things like, is this is the skin hard? Is, is there skin changes? Is there wounds? How long has the swelling been there? Does it go away with elevation? And so they'll kind of look at some of those collection of symptoms and they'll say, well, this looks like lymphedema. Or even if there's a medication, let me try this medication that's supposed to get a diuretic that's supposed to get the swelling off and the diuretic does nothing. So at that point, you're like, okay, we're not dealing with just water weight here. We're actually dealing with kind of this syrup, if you will, this lymphedema. And then um, that would spawn the referral to a certified lymphedema therapist like myself. There are some diagnostic um, tools that can be used. Um, they can do a lymph scintography, which is a um, like a picture type thing where they can kind of look at um, pictures over time of how the body um, uptakes uh, a dye. They can also do it in real time called a lymphogram where they would inject a radioactive dye into the toes and then you would kind of watch the lymphatic, the, the lymph system where it kind of clogs. Mm-hmm. Um, 
There is also bioimpedance, which can be used um, to diagnose what we call subclinical lymphedema. So this is used specifically in cancer patients. So you have a breast cancer patient. She has all of these risk factors that would make her more likely to develop lymphedema. And then you could use bioimpedance to kind of um, determine if they're kind of having that early onset type thing. Are, are there any sort of symptoms that a person, I guess in layman's terms, that if a person sees this on themselves, it's time to get in touch with a doctor? Uh, yeah. So a lot of times, um, a lot of times our patients come to us for the first time because they have a, um, an episode of an infection, a skin mm -hmm. infection, and that skin infection is called cellulitis. So the limb would be hot, red, swollen, very, very painful. They should go immediately to the emergency room. And um, then those physicians there in the emergency room will be like, okay, you know, like you have this skin infection kind of out of nowhere. And so then they'll start to dig and kind of look a little bit deeper. And then they'll kind of say, oh, you have lymphedema. You need to go up stairs to see the certified lymphedema therapist. Um, outside of that, you know, I think if you would notice that there is swelling that lasts for more than three months, that's a really good indication to have that looked at. Um, so, uh, what are, what, what, what happens with this? If you, if it goes unchecked, what's the cascade of bad? <laughs> so the cascade of bad is that the limb or that area keeps swelling and swelling and swelling and it becomes heavy and hard and you're more likely to develop a skin infection. You're more likely to develop um, wounds in that area. Um, and it can also continue to affect your mobility, your ability to raise your arm, your ability to write something if your fingers are all swollen, um, walking, moving, wearing a shoe. I have a lot of patients who can't wear a shoe because their foot is so swollen putting on a jacket or a shirt because they have one arm that can fit into the jacket or shirt and one that can't. Um, with head and neck lymphedema, it would be that they may have more difficulty swallowing, talking, doing all that kind of thing. And then um, in the most serious cases, if lymphedema absolutely goes unchecked for years and years, there is a um, kind of a lymphedema cancer that can occur that um, from just being in that state of inflammation for so long. That's very, very rare. I think I've seen it once or twice in my entire career. Uh, so what sort of treatment, what, what does that look like? Yeah, so treatment, um, there is a, well, there's, we, we kind of break it into, so treatment, we, the first line of defense is always risk reduction and not necessarily prevention. We can't prevent this from happening, especially if there is an injury or there's an inadequate lymphatic system, but we can kind of keep it in check. And there are certain things you can do to help keep that in check to have it not progress into those later stages. What are some of those things? Making sure that you take care of your skin, knowing that your immune system in that limb is not normal. You get a cut, a mosquito bite, you know, you're more likely to develop an infection, you know, from that kind of thing. Um, exercising intelligently. There is a right way to exercise with lymphedema and there is a wrong way to exercise with lymphedema. So a lot of it is just understanding your body and understanding the things that make you flare um, and trying to keep that in check. However, um, with my more um, severe cases, like my those who are kind of further along in that they have stage two or stage three lymphedema, the gold standard is a um, 
is a treatment called complete decongestive therapy. So that's my bread and butter. That's what I do all day long. Mm-hmm. Um, it's intense. Um, you could do a modified version of it. So my folks who are less um, progressed, they we can kind of get away with doing aspects of it. Um, but the true thing of complete decongestive therapy is you are coming to therapy five days a week. You are um, getting a specific type of lymphatic massage. We call it manual lymphatic drainage. We are bandaging that limb or that area, providing compression. So there's um, all these layers of bandages that we use with foam and things like that to help soften the skin and to help push that fluid to its major drainage points. The largest lymph node in your body is actually in your belly. So we're trying to push all that fluid towards that largest lymph node, that mothership, if you will. Um, there, you would get a home exercise program of remedial exercise. So we're not having you go out and run a marathon, but we're having you pump your muscles underneath those bandages because the deep lymphatics, they lie along the muscle bellies. The superficial lymphatics lie in the skin. And so what we're trying to do is we're trying to push the lymph fluid out of the skin and kind of above the muscle belly down deep into those muscles. And then your muscles are actually the pump mechanism for those, um, for your lymphatics. Whereas your arteries and your veins, its pump is your heart, yeah. right? So we want to make sure that we're pumping those muscles underneath. So every I give everybody kind of this home exercise program. We are um, making sure that the skin is happy and healthy. So we're doing meticulous skin and nail care in clinic. And then the big thing is, um, which I coined the lymphedema toolbox. Mm -hmm. So what that is, is we are doing, I'm doing a lot of education. This is rare. And um, I'm a big believer that with all rare conditions that the patient themselves need to become the experts because you will go to a primary care physician or an ER and they might've only had a half an hour in medical school to what this is. It's um, And so that patient themselves, they really have to be the self-advocate and, um, and be able to say, this is what, you know, this is how we treat this and this is what's worked in the past. And, you know, I need to be able to do this and you need to go and get Vanessa upstairs because <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I've got moles in the hospital. <laughs> I can go get Vanessa because she knows how to treat my yeah. arm, you know, um, and really kind of learn that self-advocacy and then have the tools. So do you, can you bandage yourself, right? Can Do you have the right compression garments mm-hmm. for so that you're maintaining that limb shape or that area? Um, do you, can you do self-massage or do you need a pump to help you massage yourself? Are you doing your exercising? Are you exercising, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're not pumping those muscles, that fluid is not moving. Um, are you doing meticulous skin and nail care? So really it's looking at that toolbox and so that the patient can come in and they can open it when they're managing it and they are able to be fully independent and manage it themselves. And they only just need to check in with me once a year just to make sure that we're still on track. So I, I got to go back to the treatment that you talked about of the bandaging and kind of the massaging it all upwards. So forgive me if I get gross. I, is is the I like is the idea to get it? You said the 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 primary or the main lymph nodes in in the stomach. So okay, so you've pushed all this stuff up to the stomach. Is then 
where does it go? Like, do you, do you, is it a spigot that then comes out? Or does it try to move it to like the kidneys? And then like, what, what's ultimately, what's the, how do we get it out of the body? Yeah. So, um, there's kind of two ways. So the body is, is, um, kind of split up into fourths. So mm-hmm. top to bottom, left to right. And the right upper arm, like the right side of the body above the waist, it all drains actually, um, to what's, um, kind of like right in your um, collarbone. Mm-hmm. There's uh, there's kind of where the, the lymphatics kind of dump into a very big vein right there. And the reason it um, has an alternate draining is because your heart's in the way, yeah, right? Yeah. So the rest of the body, left arm, left side, the entire left side and the bottom right side, it has kind of these path these pathways, mm-hmm. right? So it's kind of like taking the side road and getting onto the freeway and then getting onto a five lane freeway. And then eventually you make it to downtown Indianapolis, yeah, right? Yeah. And then in that, it kind of processes it finally out. And then there is a, a vessel called the long thoracic duct. Mm-hmm. And it runs up along the side of the, um, the, uh, the spinal cord kind of in the middle, um, not really spinal cord, it's kind of in the middle. Um, and then it dumps into the left side, um, kind of similarly um, on the re- on the left side where that large vein is. And then eventually, so sometimes some fluid will kind of dump back into that regular mm. circulatory system or it will kind of go out through the kidneys and out the door. Yeah. Okay. I, I got you on that. Um, so uh, what should someone do if they think they might have this, if they're starting to to notice concerning symptoms. Like I've got a swollen ankle and I know for a fact I didn't sprain my ankle, you know? Right. Or they've had a sprained ankle yeah. that hasn't gotten better. Oh, that too. Right? Yes. Yeah. Or like they've had a surgery, a knee mm-hmm. replacement, something like that. And they're six months out and they still have hard swelling. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, I think the f- most important thing is, is to get plugged in with a certified lymphedema therapist. Um, we are really geeky in the sense that we um, do a really good job of sifting through the weeds. Um, in the state of Indiana, in order to come to us, you could go um, directly to a certified lymph- lymphedema therapist. Um, however, within Eskenazi, um, that pathway is going to your doctor first, mm-hmm. getting that referral, and then um, calling the lymphedema clinic and then getting in. And then at that point, I will do a very extensive evaluation. We'll kind of talk about it. You'll get a rough, what is this thing, you know, and then we'll talk about what our treatment options are. Uh, you had mentioned that uh, obviously there some people will get it after surgery or after cancer treatment, but you said some people are born with it. Yeah. Um, so c- can we get into that a little bit? Um, obviously, if they're born with it, I'm sure it's, that's probably wrong to say I'm sure, but it's detected at birth. How does that impact, if you're born with it, how can it, how does it impact a person who maybe you didn't know it was there or something? Yeah. So the youngest patient I have probably seen here at Eskenazi was... Um, is my teenagers, mm-hmm. is teenagers. So a lot of times you'll see it kind of come on in those teen years. Um, there are occasions where it will come on at birth, but usually those kids are still plugged into a children's hospital, like Cincinnati Children's Hospital. They have an excellent lymphology team mm-hmm. there. Um, I believe Riley will see them as well too. Um, and then, um, but you know, for those, for those kiddos, usually um, a lot of times there's a family history So perhaps their father or mother or uncle or aunt 
people have lymphedema and they've kind of had it their own life. Um, a lot of times that presentation just starts in like one leg. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that second leg kind of catches up down the road. Um, if there is that abnormal swelling and those skin changes, especially before the age of 30, um, we call that um, preox lymphedema. And so those are our folks who have that congenital disease. And they are treated just like somebody who might have had it from, from a secondary reason, from an injury to the lymphatic system, um, uh, and with complete decongestive therapy. But we're kind of inje- we're injecting that mm-hmm. much earlier, and we're really kind of having them advocate for themselves a lot earlier. So we're treating them the same way. When, when you say that you check for like a family history as a sign, so, and I always uh, wonder like what constitutes family history, like someone who had knee surgery and then developed it out of that, the knee surgery wasn't necessarily a, a medical history thing. They needed knee surgery. Does that mean that they're prone to get it? Does that then feed into my my dad had it after he had knee surgery? So does that now mean that I could get it or? Yes and no. Okay. So um, there are specific syndromes that are associated with congenital lymphedema. Mm-hmm. Um, and so some of those syndromes are passed through um, the line. They're either you know, um, through the mother, through the father, mm-hmm. or vice versa, you know, we can get into all the genetics. Um, a lot of times, you know, that parent will have that one larger leg, or they'll have specific looking toes, or um, there's a couple of other kind of weird um, genetic abnormalities, like double rows of eyelashes, or like webbed feet and fingers that kind of let us know that, oh, we need to be looking for mm-hmm. kind of lymphedema here, that type of thing, um, you know, and just kind of that swelling and coming down, that type of thing. But then they also have a parent. So I'm always asking that, like, does anybody in your family swell like this? And then I kind of have them, you know, dive a little bit further in, like, what is it like? Is it two legs? Is it one leg? You know, like, how long have they have always had it? And so then you can really kind of tease that out. Um, there is a large population where it's spontaneous with that person. Right. And so they'll have that onset when they're teenagers. I had one patient here who she was on a track team in middle school and she sprained her ankle. And then that was the thing that kind of set the whole thing off. So uh, is it curable or is it something that's just if you have it, we just manage it? So, yes, um, it is not curable. It is a chronic disease. It's in that list of Mm -hmm. chronic diseases. Um, It is manageable, right? So if you catch it early, you can kind of, you know, open up that toolbox and kind of add those tools as you need to. But if it progresses or there's other health issues that kind of will progress with it, then, you know, we kind of keep needing to look at that toolbox and make sure you've got the right tools. Or if you got old tools that we need to throw out and then replace them with new ones. Right. Um, There are now, just coming down the pipeline, improvements in surgical care. And that would be either transferring a lymph node from one area of the body to, like, um, say, the armpit where it was removed with a breast cancer patient. They can also now do where they kind of bypass the um, an area by um, sewing in with super micro surgery. It's literally super micro surgery um, where they will sew a lymphatic vessel directly into a vein. There are probably about six or seven surgeons in the whole world who do this. 
Okay. Um, and, <laughs> and I had the opportunity yeah. to go to a conference where I got to meet them all and mm -hmm. see what they are all doing. Um, luckily, here in the Midwest, we actually have three of those surgeons kind of all within like a six-hour drive. There's a, there's a surgeon in Chicago, there's one in Columbus, Ohio, and there's one in Cleveland, Ohio. So we, do, so we're, we don't have to travel too far yeah. um, here in Indiana. Um, there's not somebody in Indiana that I currently know of unless they, you know, we're going to raise their hand at this conference. But um, I'm assuming that this will become a... Uh, a thing that more surgeons will get really interested in doing and, and um, getting that further training. So really there's not a cure. There are surgical improvements, um, but once it's there, once that damage to the lymphatic system is there, or if you're born with an inadequate lymphatic system, I mean, that's part of this chronic disease type of situation. Uh, I'll try and let, let you out of here because I'm now into the nitpicky, fascinating <laughs> questions that probably have no relevance to this podcast. Uh, uh, so you mentioned like double row eyelashes. Yeah. Is it, okay, I, I, I need to know more about that. First of all, uh, in your world, is these six physicians in a room together, is that like the ultimate nerd out? Oh, my God, I can't believe these people are here. 100%. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah. Fair so enough. I, um, yeah, I went to this conference. Yeah. I, um did a specialty, not a training, but kind of like a checkoff. Mm -hmm. So I'm actually considered an expert clinician in the United States um, for this condition. And then we stayed for this like super mm -hmm. nerdy kind of conference. Yeah, yeah. But um, with respect to some of the genetic abnormalities, um, there's only one that there's one specific genetic abnormality that they're able to identify. Mm -hmm. um, but again, like genetic testing is incredibly expensive and it's really hard to get your hands on those people who can determine those types of things. Um, so it's one of those things that you cannot go to your doctor here and say, I want genetic testing. You would probably have to go to the Mayo Clinic or some mm -hmm. other kind of place where they have access to being able to interpret those types of things. Um, but regardless, I mean, we treat it all the same, right? Whether you were born with it, whether or you acquired it, um, you know, it, we, we, we treat it all the same. And that's complete decongestive therapy. I, if I can jump on the, uh, the tooth, the Eskenazi horn for a second, you, you just mentioned it's like something that there's only like six doctors in the world for. It's surgeons. surgeons. It's very, but I, I get on, it's like all of this stuff is here at Eskenazi. The fact that like yes. these resources are available here in Marion County at the county hospital, you know, yes. is just fascinating. And, and I mean, and I, I know it's not in your purview, but like the Richard M. Fairbanks Burn Center being as great as it is, it's right here in Marion County. We have specialists for lymphedema right here in Marion County. Uh, I, I think it just shows for just that holistic, all-encompassing uh, value system that Eskenazi Health is, uh, has put on this stuff. Uh, it's fascinating to talk to you about this. Yeah. And I, I can ask all sort of geeky, weird questions, but like, uh, is, what's that? I would like to say, though, you know, just like there's very few surgeons, mm -hmm. there's actually very few certified lymphedema therapists. Okay. So a lot of times patients will think, well, you're just a physical therapist or an occupational no. therapist or a speech therapist. You should be able to do this. No, we go through 
really intense training you have to do um, to be a baseline lymphedema certified lymphedema therapist. You have to do 136 hours of training just to get that CLT after your name. And um, there's very few of us in Marion County. I believe there's just one or two per hospital system. And if you get into the rural parts of Indiana, and I see people from all over the state, Mm -hmm. all over the state, they look me up um, and they are calling from various parts of the state because there is nobody within 100 miles for them. Or like I have a um, like one of my young kids, like the teenagers and then oh, gosh, darn it, they're going off to college, mm-hmm. right? And then I'm helping them navigate the student disabilities. And then we're also, like, look, searching and looking and getting that per, that patient mm-hmm. plugged in with a CLT close to them. Because what happens if they, you know, get a spontaneous cellulitis? Well, they need to be able to get in with the CLT because they can't fly home, mm-hmm. you know, to me to be able to treat that yeah. type of thing. So um, we are a rare bird. <laughs> hey, it takes a lot of work to get those uh, those initials after your name. Yeah. I mean, it's like it's and I let's say I love it when I see someone with all these things like, OK, right on. We're going to mm-hmm. I'm going to probably make myself look really stupid here in a second. But no, but that's the thing. It's the the specificity. I don't yes. know if I even pronounce that right. Is is just fascinating. And, and it just shows that like, no, it's a ther- physical therapist is not a physical therapist, not a fit yeah, like yes. specialized training. And that's important. And that, that stuff is right here. Um, I think you mentioned before the best way, at least through Eskenazi health, if you think you have this talk to your primary care provider for yes. the referral. Um, and is there, as we, as we wrap this up, is there anything else that we need to, to hit on or you want to make sure that we haven't talked about at this point in time? No, I feel like that's a pretty good, um, kind of encompassing. So yeah, if people have, um, maybe they, have a lymphedema diagnosis and they've just not treated it in a while, or they realize, gosh, I never had complete decongestive therapy. They just slapped a garment on me or whatnot. Mm -hmm. You know, it is very important, you know, to get in with a certified lymphedema therapist. Um, If you had any other condition, say you had cancer, you would go to an oncologist. Mm -hmm. You know, if you have foot issues, you would see a podiatrist, right? So, um, this is rare. And um, once you're diagnosed, you've got to kind of keep tucked in within a certified lymphedema therapist so that you can maintain that toolbox. Uh, Vanessa, thank you for coming in. Vanessa Flora, uh, physical therapist, doctor of physical therapy and lymphedema specialist to, to cure all that. I'm not, I'm not even going to try all those things, but I say great work and congratulations. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, obviously, uh, you can get more information on everything and how to access, uh, treatment care at EskenaziHealth.edu. Uh, you can check out all of our old podcast episodes at SoundCloud or Apple podcasts, uh, and then follow us on all the social media channels. Thank you to Joe for making all of this happen. And we'll talk to you next time on the Eskenazi Health here for you podcast.